Mean Jean was recess queen, and nobody said any different. Nobody swung until Mean Jean swung. Nobody kicked until Mean Jean kicked. Nobody bounced until Mean Jean bounced. If kids ever crossed her, she'd push them and smush them and lollapulush them, hammer and slammer them, kits and kajammer them. Say what? Mean Jean growled. Say who? Mean Jean howled. Say you. Just who do you think you're talking to? Mean Jean always got her way. Until one day, a new kid came to school. Katie Sue, a teeny kid, a tiny kid, a kid you might scare with a jump and a boot. But when the recess bell went ringity ring, this kid ran zingity zing for the playground gate. Katie, too, Katie Sue swung before Mean Jean swung. Katie Sue kicked before Mean Jean kicked. Katie Sue bounced before Mean Jean bounced. A kid you might scare with a jump and a boot was too new to know about Mean Jean, the recess queen. While Mean Jean bullied through the playground crowd like always, she pushed kids and smushed kids and lollapalooshed kids, hammered them, slammered them, kits and kajammered them, and she charged after that Katie Sue. Say what, she growled. Say who, she howled. Say you, she snarled and grabbed Katie Sue by the collar. Nobody swings until Queen Jean swings. Nobody kicks until Queen Jean kicks. Nobody bounces until Queen Jean bounces. And she figured that would set the record straight. She figured wrong. Katie Sue talked back, just as sassy as could be, she said, how did you get so bossy? Then that puny thing, that loony thing, grabbed the ball and bounced away. Oh, Katie Sue was one quick kid. She bolted quick as lightning. Bouncity, bouncity, bounce. Kickity, kickity, kit. Swingity, swingity, swing. Mean Jean thundered close behind. Bouncity, kickity, swingity. The recess queen was not amused. She raced and chased and in your face that Katie Sue. No one spoke. No one moved. No one breathed. Then from her pack, Katie Sue, a jump rope clean and bright. Hey, Jeannie Beanie, sang Katie Sue, let's try this jump rope out. Here's one thing true. Until that day, no one dared ask Mean Jean to play. But that Katie Sue just hopped and jumped and skipped away. I like ice cream, I like tea, I want Jean to jump with me. Jean just gaped and stared as if too scared to move at all. So Katie Sue sang once more, I like popcorn, I like tea, I want Jean to jump with me. Then from the side, a kid called out, go Jean, go. And too surprised to even shout, Jean jumped in with Katie Sue. I like cookies, I like tea, I want you to jump with me. That rope whizzed and slapped faster and faster. The rope spun and flapped faster and faster till it caught in a tangled disaster, but they just giggled and jumped again. Well, now when the recess rolls around, that playground's one great place. At the school bell's ringity ring, those two girls race zingity zing out the classroom door. Jean doesn't push kids and smush kids and lollapalush kids, hammer them, slammer them, kits and kajammer them. 
because she's having too much fun rompity romping with her friends. Bouncity, kickity, swingity, hoppity, skippity, jumpity, ringity, zingity, yes. We can change things. Little Miss Katie Sue, with nothing much to offer except a real confidence in who she was, changed the atmosphere of the whole playground from one of fear and trembling, one of grabbing for control and wondering what was going to happen, to one of freedom. Because that's what happens when we bring the kingdom. We are in a series on the fruit of the Spirit, and today we are going to dig into what they're calling the co-mingled fruits of kindness and goodness. And while there are some differences between those, really they're a bit interchangeable. So I'd like to look quickly at just some definitions, but, oh, first, that's right, I was going to do this first. Um, Sometimes the fruit of the Spirit can start sounding a bit common, a bit like a list of things that we check off, a bit like the thing we learned when we were young. In fact, I heard someone say recently, the two things that we teach are like the Lord's Prayer and the fruits of the Spirit. Those are the first two things that we learn. They're, you know. So one of the things that I like to do when I'm looking at scripture is to look at some different translations, and we have the benefit of that these days. So let's look at what the Passion Translation um, interprets Galatians 5. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that refreshing? That seems a lot less like a checklist and more like life to me. Allie mentioned last week in her talk, and it really struck me, um, this version, sort of, of the fruits of the Spirit. And it's from J.I. Bridges. And I'd like, I, I typed it out this time because, um, because it's just so interesting. And actually, now that I'm looking at it, something else really interesting happened here. Love is like Christ-like reaction to people's malice. Joy is the Christ-like reaction to depressing circumstances. Peace is the Christ-like reaction to troubles, threats, and invitations to anxiety. Patience is the Christ-like reaction to all things maddening. Kindness is the Christ-like reaction to all that are unkind. Goodness is the Christ-like reaction to bad people and bad behavior. 
Faithfulness and gentleness are Christ-like reactions to lies and fury. Self-control is the Christ-like reaction to every situation that goads you to lose your cool and strike back. Now, what's really interesting is when I was typing out this slide, I kept wanting to type the word, love is the Christ-like response to people's malice. Joy is the Christ-like response to depressing circumstances. And I kept having to go back and change it to reaction. Because the truth is that many of us can respond in kindness. Many of us can respond in goodness. But how often is our reaction peace? How often is our reaction kindness? It's different. Let's look specifically at some definitions of the fruits of kindness and goodness. This first one, the, the kindness that they're talking about um, as part of the fruit of the Spirit is the ability to serve others in a practical way, which makes me vulnerable and which comes from having a deep inner security. It is goodness in action. An active desire to recognize and meet the needs of others. Kindness is the desire for the happiness of others. Goodness is the activity that's calculated to advance that happiness. What is the opposite of kindness? Envy, which leads me to be unable to rejoice in another's joy or success or possessions. And a fake alternative, something that one might call kindness, but it's not actually the deep, true kindness that we're seeking, is a manipulative good deeds doing. Doing good deeds for others so that I can congratulate myself and feel that I'm good enough for God and for others. If we go to kindness or to goodness, we've already looked at some things of that, but another way to look at goodness is integrity. Being the same person in every situation rather than a phony or a hypocrite. Not just what you say, but what you do. Doing what's right even when it costs or hurts. A key element to the idea of goodness is generosity. Now, what this is not is always being truthful, but not always being loving, which might look like getting things off your chest just to make yourself feel or look better. So what kindness and goodness aren't are manners, are politeness. Kindness and goodness is not Iowa nice. In, in Luke 6, 32, um, Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those to whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners 
expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the grateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. So you see, true kindness is not the politeness, is not the, um, the manners that we teach. When someone says hi to you, say hi back. Speak kindly to the checkout clerk at the store. Don't road rage too hard. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is meant to make us look different. So we have to think, what makes us look different? Politeness doesn't make us look different. The other thing that is interesting is kindness and goodness are not this um, personality trait. I'm sure if, if you take a minute, you can all think of someone who you would say is really kind. Oh, she's so kind. Or he's so kind. Or another word you might use is sweet. And therefore, you might say, that's just not me. I'm not a sweet person. But remember, we talked, our very first week, Tom talked about how living things grow and growing things change. And change is difficult sometimes. But he also talked about how all of these fruits grow up together symmetrically. So it actually has nothing to do with whether your personality is patient or whether you are just naturally joyful or whether people actually would call you kind. Because the fruits of the Spirit that we are trying to cultivate and build come from a deep belief in ourselves that we are enough. Katie Sue ran out onto that playground because she knew who she was. She didn't wait to take the temperature of the playground to know what she could do. Iowa Nice is taking the temperature and giving you what you gave me. Well, that was kind. I'll be kind back. Well, hello. Well, hello to you, too. If we look at the fruits of the Spirit, we see that these are the things that we must use to endure the world. When we come up against the mean genes of the world, when we find ourselves in playgrounds that are full of fear, as far as goodness goes, this is not the bare minimum. This is generosity overflowing. This is not, it's the thought that counts, right? It's going the extra mile. 
Another thing that def- helps define spirit-filled kindness is that it is sacrificial. It goes beyond convenience. I was thinking about this. So you know when you teach on something, it like comes up all the time and you're like, is this supposed to be in my sermon? Or what are you trying to teach me, Lord? What's here? Okay, so I pull up to a stoplight four-way stoplight, and there is like a box, a package in the middle of the street, in the middle of the intersection. And it seems like it, like I could imagine someone put it on top of their car to get in and left, and it fell off when they turned the corner or something. And I pull up to the intersection, and there's people coming, and like, for a minute, I was like, I don't want to get out of my car and go get it. Because, well, it's winter and it's messy and, like, what if the light turns green while I'm, sitting, while I'm out there and then I hold up the line and there's, ugh. And I was like, what is the big deal? Go get the box. Maybe the Lord said that to me. <laughs> so I got out and I went and got the box and maybe it was empty. I, didn't, I was like, I don't even want to look at this box. Maybe someone thinks it's a bomb. I don't know. So... I grab the box and I like put it on the side because if someone retraces their steps and needs to find it, which was another thought I had, maybe I should leave it there because if someone comes back, they won't be able to find it, right? Okay, it was inconvenient for me to get out and get that box. I ran through the scenario of all the reasons why I shouldn't get the box. But, and let's be honest, getting the box out of the intersection was not the most kind thing I could do in the world, right? Like, is that kindness? I don't know. Maybe that's Iowa nice. I don't know. But what I do know is that there is, there is a way that I have to push into doing things that are inconvenient for the sake of others. And there's an element of kindness in that. The other thing that being kind and good often does is makes us vulnerable. And we do not like to be vulnerable. Which is why we would love for kindness to be politeness. And why we would like goodness to be rightness. You see, the reason we aren't kind is because we are insecure in our identities as sons and daughters of God. For some reason, we are still trying to earn his favor, to secure our salvation. But what we forget is that God's love is not fragile, friends. It's not fragile. It is actually deep and it is deeply rooted. And we can know this by scripture. 
Even if in our experience it's not true, we feel like it's a little bit shaky, we're not sure what he thinks, we're not sure what he will do, we have scripture to stand on, to know he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That we are secure in his love. We aren't going to fall out of it and have to claw our way back. We have an obsession with winning and control and rightness that won't allow us to be vulnerable and kind. We have to be very careful to not listen to the lie that is told all around us to look out for number one first. You see, we are busy trying to be the best and trying to dominate and jockeying for position because we don't know that our position as a son and a daughter of God cannot be lost. We also We also are a little afraid that there's not enough to go around. I have four kids, and two of them who shall remain, remain nameless because they don't want me to tell their names, but um, are both learning an instrument right now. Um, and as many of you know, when your children are learning instruments, it's an adventure. And it's an adventure in patience and other things. But we have experienced this sweet place where we've kind of come through this. And both of these kids are really excelling at their instruments. They're doing really well. Dave and I will sit in another room and listen and look at each other and be like, what? They are so good. And it's so exciting. Well, one day, um, when you have four kids and they all play instruments, you make a music room with a door that closes. And one of them was practicing in the music room. Well, both of them can't practice in there, so I guess that plan wasn't the best. But anyway, one of them was in the music room, one of them was in another room practicing. And the one in the music room came up and sort of was walking by the room that the other one was practicing in and was like, you know, that's not really that good. And kept walking away. And luckily I was standing right there. And I was like, really, that was not kind. <laughs> and I got to thinking about it. And I was able to say, listen, there's enough to go around. You can be great at drums, and he can be great at guitar. There's enough. And guess what? You are great at guitar, and you, you are great at drums. See, there's enough parent affirmation to go around. I love listening to you play drums, and I love listening to you play guitar. There's enough. My husband 
reminds us constantly of this truth that he has learned deeply, that our heavenly Father's love is enough. And he says it this way, there's more than enough and there's more on the way. In Psalm 23, even if this isn't your experience, let me tell you, in scripture, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There is enough for you. And at the end of it, it says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There is more on the way. And do you know that when we dwell in the house of the Lord forever, that doesn't mean after we endure the earth. Do you know that dwelling in the house of the Lord is available to us now? We can dwell in the house of the Lord forever, starting right now. Our salvation is secure. There is more than enough love. There is more than enough acceptance for you and for me. So I can be generously kind and good to you because it doesn't diminish me at all. If I tell you that you are great at something, it doesn't mean that I'm less than great at it. If I tell you that you're beautiful, it does not mean that I am less beautiful, that there's not enough beauty for all of us to carry beauty. You see, when we have dwelled in the presence of God and he has loved us in the expressions that we looked at, when he's been patient with us, when he's given us peace, when he's been kind to us, we can be kind. So what do we do? What do we, how do we become kind? Because I know for me, a lot of my kindness is not this kind of kindness, I've realized. And I think as I've sat in this series, like Allie said last week, sometimes I'm like, am I even a Christian? And I want to know, like, how can I get there? What do I need to do? Because we like to do things, don't we? <laughs> can I have the core values? diagram thing. So the question that I'm really asking is, why am I not flourishing, right? And this is something we looked at sort of at the beginning of this series, but I want to re revisit it because it's really helpful or it has been really helpful to me. Because as I'm thinking about the fruits of the Spirit and feeling like maybe there's room to grow or places that need to be pruned, Another way of saying that is I'm not flourishing. So if the goal is to flourish in exile and I'm not doing that, what I need to do is take a step back in. I need to know whose I am and I need to know him. It is not enough for me to just know that I am God's, but I need to know who that God is 
and I need to be in deep connection with others. You see, the fruits of the Spirit, if we can go back to the slide that has Christ-like reactions, love is not a Christ-like reaction to people's love and acceptance. Love is a Christ-like reaction to malice. And we can go down that whole list and see that these are things that we need to engage when the world is unkind. And friends, we need deep connections with God and with each other that can handle this, where we can practice this. Because at first, it is just going to be a calculated response. We need safe places to try out being vulnerable so that eventually our reaction is kindness or any one of these things. Can we go back to the core values slide? If you want to know, how do I know whose I am? How do I know who God really is? How can I know what a deep, connected, healthy relationship looks like? What we need to do is keep focusing in. And in this diagram, we come in and we see that it is an experience of the Spirit and a rootedness in the Word. And friends, if we're thinking of ourselves, of our spirits, as as a plant that bears fruit. We need both of those things. It's like having soil and water. Too much of one is not going to bear flourishing fruit. We need both. So like I've said, if there is an experience in the spirit that you feel like you've been lacking, you can go to the word. And if you are one that is deeply rooted in the word, and there seems to be a disconnect or a lack or something that you're not connecting with, the Spirit can reveal to you and experience those things. You need both. Our Mean Jean and Katie Sue story at the beginning is a modern day parable. There are parables in scripture that we can go to, stories that we can pull apart for different reasons. Our scripture for today is actually the Good Samaritan. Go back and look at that story and see where you can find real kindness and goodness. But God is so good that he also shows us what real or what fake, what counterfeit kindness and goodness look like. So we can reflect and we can learn and grow because living things grow. And even if you think you've been through the Good Samaritan story a million times and there's nothing else, guess what? God's word is living and active. There's something new for you in it, or there could be. One thing that as a teaching team we have been talking so much about is our desire for to light a fire in you to be in the word. I literally said these words this week to Dave. Doesn't it say somewhere, like Jesus or God said something somewhere about 
Like, even the rocks will cry out something. You don't have to know exactly where something is found. I don't. There's this really great resource called BibleGateway.com. And if you know, like if even just, oh, oh, isn't there a word or isn't there a phrase? You type it in and it tells you where it is. We don't have time because I'm terrible about time when I'm teaching. I was going to show you this really cool video. Um, there's this resource called the Bible Project that they're, in every book of the Bible they have uh, the, the book sort of layout and overview and main themes and they draw it out while they're telling it to you and you can see all these grand themes of the Bible. You can, there's one on the whole New Testament or you can just do one, ver one book um, and it is amazing. Now, one thing we haven't touched a lot on that kindness is, is it is our intent in action. So like I said, it is not um, the thought that counts, but actually seeing another's need going out of our way, it might be inconvenient, being vulnerable and helping meet that need. Not from a place of feeling like I need to do this to make sure I know God loves me, make sure God knows I'm good, or I sinned and so now I need to do one good act to balance that out. Not that. But when our hearts are open to seeing the needs of others and generously giving of our time and our money and our possessions, and can I say our reputations, in order to meet those needs. If you're wondering where to start in this sort of journey of becoming kind or good, the book of Titus and the book of James both have deep, deep themes of putting our faith in action. And each of the Bible Project videos is eight minutes long. So start there. What's the big deal about bearing fruit? If we are secure in our salvation, and if, if the way that we bear fruit is just drawing near and dwelling with the Lord, why don't we just do that? What does it really matter if we bear fruit? We can just be polite. We can just sort of like not ruffle feathers. We can just sort of live, um, live a good life. Kevin reminded me that in the fall, at least in the sanctuary, they learned that agape love, the love that we receive from the Lord, is, is the expression of holiness. And in Matthew 25, 31, he says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I can draw from that that in essence, without kindness and goodness, no one will see the Lord. 
And friends, it is not our job to judge. It is not our job. It is not our burden to save the world. What we have been sent to do is proclaim the good news. Because it's his kindness that leads to repentance. He's counting on us. That's his plan, is for us to show the world who he is. And friends, if you don't know who he is, take a step back. Live with him, abide with him. I told Dave this week, I had this revelation that if you gave me any scenario and said, how would any one of my kids or my husband react in this situation? I can tell you. If we saw a hot rod car, I can tell you Titus's reaction. If we heard a sweet drum backbeat, is that even a word? I don't know. I can tell you how one of my kids would respond. Because I abide with them. I have deep connection with them. I know how they would react, not just respond. So if you're finding that it's difficult to know how to react in certain situations, what is the Christ-like response to the malice of the world? What is the Christ-like response to bad situations and bad people? Abide with him. Let him love you with that kind of love. It might be that you need some time to just abide with him. My job right now is to just fully engage with him, to know who I am and to know who he is so that these fruits, not, not that we choose these fruits, but that we become these fruits to a world who needs to see the Lord. Because without holiness, without love expressed in all these ways, no one will see the Lord. Remember that you are secure. Remember that his love is not fragile. Remember that the, t the two greatest commandments are this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And some of us need to learn to love ourselves the way God loves us in order for us to be able to enact that golden rule. Friends, we are loved. There is... more than enough, and more on the way. So we can be kind, we can be good and generous. And even when it's difficult, we can do the work of growing our fruit. The worship team is gonna sing a song now in closing. And I want you to know that communion will be available to you. 
You can also head down to the place of prayer where people are there that can pray over you. If you just need, if you need to reestablish your identity, if you need to, a place to repent of ways you have not been great fruit, if you need to ask some questions about why is my experience with God not one of love, you can ask that question or any other like it. We've gotta be real with each other. We've gotta be a place where we can practice these things for each other. My overwhelming sense is that the Lord just wants so deeply for you to know that he is the source of all of these things. You can't just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and be kind. You can't just try to be more patient. And I hope what you're hearing in this series is that we are all becoming more and more like Christ. It's not something to be attained, but something to strive for. It's possible. And we're all in it together. I would sing a song from High School Musical, but it would ruin the mood. So let's change the atmosphere of our playgrounds by knowing whose we are by asking the question, what do you need and how can I meet that need? Would you join in worship, please?